think about these, uh, you know, I just passed somebody that has a Texas plate on their car, and the sticker on the bumper of the car said, Beto for Senate. And then they had another bumper sticker on the other side that said, I'm so Sasquatch, and I love. Like, these politicians have figured out how to manipulate these young people so much because these young people's emotions are so like they're so exposed because they have emotional immaturity that they're they'll fall for anything and you know I say it a lot you either stand for something or you'll fall for anything and these young people will fall for anything because they don't stand for anything. You ask a young person how they feel, and it's it's the herd mentality. It's the mentality of, oh, I'm going to believe this way because my friends believe this way. Or I'm going to believe this way because I don't want to believe different than my friends. You know, And it's ridiculous because there's somebody in that group that's leading the, the group into thinking a certain way because majority of them within a group are pacifist and they just want to go along to get along. Nobody wants to be lonely or not have friends. I remember what it was like when I was a teenager. You know, it's not that long ago. And it's it's things that that are done on a subtle way and it makes a huge difference. You know, I think about in high school, the community I grew up in was very interesting because it was right at, it, so it was right between Atlanta and Chattanooga in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. And at the time, um, you know, this was a rural community, but this particular community had two private resort communities in it that had very um, wealthy individuals. One of those communities was called Bent Tree Community, and the other one was called Big Canoe, Big Canoe. And those communities had very wealthy people, very influential people. Uh, they had professional athletes, uh, university professors, professional business people. My mentor after my business was chosen for as the spotlight business of the year back in the uh, early, I mean, I'm sorry, what year was that? It's about 2000, so the early 2000s, uh, my business was chosen as a spotlight business of the year and from the Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, I was given a mentor and in, in, in a lot of different support areas. But the mentor that they assigned me was, was a gentleman that was the Merck Pharmaceutical European Sales Director. No joke. It was the European Sales Director for Merck Pharmaceutical, the, the pharmaceutical conglomerate. So this was somebody that lived in the North Georgia mountains. You know? I've, I've discussed, you know, a little bit about Main Street there at the little community that I lived and uh, how many, like, interesting people that it had, you know, did business there. But 
this was all whenever I was, you know, in my early 20s. And I, I knew all of this stuff was happening because my dad told me about it. You know, my other family members made me aware of it. And, and other friends made me aware of it. There was some really dark, dark elements of that community. I can't speak on everybody else's community, but I know this one specifically was. And it was, you know, 60 miles north of Atlanta. It was, uh, you know, just rule enough to not get everybody's attention. And it was inexpensive to live so the wealthy people could go up there and live like kings. And they did. And uh, the young people, we were influenced heavily by how that, uh, by how the community and the, the people, you know, in the community, how they were, what they did and how they, you know, how they did things. Because many of them were in the, the nonprofit organizations like the Lions Club. Or the uh, uh, the Kiwanis Club, or you know, I helped establish a Boys and Girls Club of America and uh, Habitat for Humanity. Um, I was a member of the Keep America Beautiful organization, um, so I was I was the young person in those groups, and I got to meet a lot of the elders that were in that community simply by volunteering for organizations. And uh, what I have found out is that these, uh, that these people, you know, they're very, very connected with other organizations around the world and people around the world. The person that was the director of the Keep America Beautiful affiliate, and he was, a uh, you know, he... Spark plug that started so many, you know, uh, beneficial organizations in our community. The guy was an executive director with Enron. Uh, I'm sorry, not Enron. It was the company uh, that did all the multi-level marketing. Amway. Amway was a company back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. They got uh, famous for doing multi-level marketing, but they also fell into big financial trouble and I think criminal acts because of some of the, the company, what they were doing. But this guy that was our men, you know, my mentor for a couple of years, this guy was, you know, a, a top level executive with Amway. So I'm just giving you two examples of, of me personally that I had experience with individuals and this was just a few, one of, or two of, of many different people within that community. And, uh, you know, again, my point is that the young people are the targets of these, of these cabal and these groups. So they will, you know, in a moment's notice, they will, you know, form an organization or things. There was one group, you know, up there that was supposed to be in a Christian group that helped, uh, you know, teenagers that had problems. And the more that we looked into this, it seemed like it was a sinister group because the people that were involved in it, you know, we were aware of, of the different people that were involved and it was some shady, shady goings on.
Let me tell you. Um, so you got to protect the young people. Parents, make sure you know who it is that their friends are, what organizations are. And I'm saying when, when you look into who their friends are, make sure you know who their friends' parents are. Because this is ways that these, these cabals and groups happen and, and build up. The, uh, you know, the personal thing that I shared with you guys a couple of months ago uh, that really changed my entire life, and it was something that the enemy, like the enemy, came in and wrecked my life. Like, I gave in to this, this uh, you know, this, this opportunity that the enemy presented with this woman. And the event that that happened at was a, a barbecue weekend camp out. And it was a lot of the, these hipsters, you know, with the, the family members. I was going to school with these people, and I, I knew, you know, that they had money, but I wasn't sure where they got the money. And whenever I looked into it, you know, I found out a little bit about it. But uh, the connection points that they had were just... It was too obscure that all of the stuff that was happening around there was, you know, not connected. After I left that community and was living in Atlanta after, you know, my separation from my, uh, and uh, all of the things that were going on, the, uh, there was literally, um, a newspaper article from that community and I believe I still have it but it was regarding a Masonic ceremony event that was going to be taking place and the place that it was going to be taking where it was going to be taking place was in a area that, uh, you know, it was very private, but it literally said a Masonic ceremony. And you know what was interesting? The head of the editor in chief of the local newspaper, whose family actually owned the local newspaper, they were all, he was, the editor was a, was a Masonic, uh, lodge member. And all of his brothers were Masons as well. And they were some weirdos. Did a lot of stuff, you know, got away with a lot of stuff, but it was because they were the head, of the, they were the, you know, owners of the newspaper. One of the brothers was a drunk that got in trouble all the time. I'm sure he had DUIs in his record that got cleaned up because of local police. This is all stuff that I knew whenever I was young. And it's these young people, you know, that I realize are, have, been a, have been a focal point of the attacks of the cabal to try to get the parents out of the way. So then the cabal is who can provide, you know, the, the ideology that the young people are going to resonate to. And it happens, you know. If you look at statistics, you know, there's about... 75% of the population is white, quote-unquote, or Caucasian, European descent, whatever you want to say. Those are the people that were attacked the hardest.
because that's the people that, you know, they pretty well, you know, got it together. They don't really have, you know, a lot of, a lot of strife, like, but internally and family is what, is what the uh, cabal went after. They went after destroying the family. They went after, uh, you know, creating self-doubt as far as the individual. They went after the family. They went after the family by, you know, utilizing hip-hop music. Converted it into, you know, gangster rap. And weaponized that whole culture and lifestyle of saggy pants and all of that crap. They weaponized it into the, the white youth. And that's where you had the, the uh, if you remember back in the 90s and the 2000s, there was that term wiggers, which was white, you know. And this was something that, you know, they were playing off the, the words. If you think about whenever uh, rap, Eminem got huge during this time, but rap really took a turn and they started using you know, the N-word more and more in their culture, saying that it was their solidarity. They could say it to each other, but nobody say it to anybody else, um, which was stupid. It was retarded. They also said, you know, culture, as far as sagging pants, was a cultural thing. Whenever it was shown that it was part of the homosexual um, culture within the prison system, that if you were homosexual and available, you would sag your your, uh, you know, your, your jump vest, your orange jump vest in prison to let everybody know that you were available. So they move these cultural things across and they made, you know, they made gangster rap cool. So they made young white kids think it was cool to be thugs or want to be thugs. Punks really is what they are. They're just punk ass kids at that point. But these punks are punks against their family. They're not punks against other punks. These are punks against family members who are going to, you know, ultimately be the only people who are going to look out for you and, you know, hopefully try to set you on the right course because everybody else is going to lie to you. Our society over this 25-year period of where they've been demoralizing us, it has worked. It has worked with all of the cartoons, like the, you know, the King of the Hill, like the uh, South Park. It's worked with demoralizing us. The young people, you know, they made me think that the environmental services, like environmentalism was important. And it is. There's no doubt. I mean, we do not need to litter. We don't need to trash up our world. And what I was doing was looking at on how... Get over on how these, these, here was a young people working for the geological survey and she's driving in the fast lane and she's going slow, but she's just driving in the fast lane. These young people, again, they think they're so smart. They think they're so, you know, courageous, but they're being manipulated. I was about to say, you know, I can't, I was coming out of university, out of college and I was reading all these business journals about recycling and the renewable energy industry that was going to happen. So I got involved with it heavily. Um, and it was all a con because 
Recycled material does not land at manufacturers in order to use recycled product as feedstock opposed to or in substitute of virgin raw materials. Unless manufacturing is striving, which requires consumerism, unless the economy is humming and consumerism is really strong with all of this, uh, with all of these consumers, like all of the consumers doing all of the things that they can do with pushing the economy, buying more things, buying more stuff, buying more stuff, this, buying this stuff, they buying all this stuff, so when they buy all this stuff, that's when more manufacturing is done. If you're not buying more stuff, you're not manufacturing more. And in manufacturing, the more you make, the cheaper and more cost-effective it gets. So if you're not making more, it's becoming more pricely. So that whole outline is to say that I was looking at it from the energy standpoint. I was looking at the organic material being used as a biomass energy feedstock for waste-to-energy technologies. And these waste-to-energy technologies are real. They're used all over the world. They're called gasification systems or pyrolysis or, um, you know, just waste-to-energy. You can look at a lot of different gasification systems, but this technology was, was utilized in World War II by the Nazis whenever, you know, people were starved down. I mean, when the Allied forces cut off all of the supplies of energy, you know, fuel or oil or anything else going to Germany. So those German engineers ended up designing systems that were put on tanks and on jeeps. And those systems were gasifiers where you would put pieces of wood inside of it. And the system would gasify this, producing heat and fuel to which powered the engines. This is not fictitious. This is not make-believe. This is real, people. It's just like, I think his name was Michael Springmeyer. Michael Springmeyer developed a uh, hydrolysis, <coughs> hydrolysis system that allowed you to use water as the fuel for an engine, and he did it with a dune buggy was funded by, he made it, you know, he got recognized, he got popular, he got funded $50 million by the Department of Energy back in the 80s, and before he could even do anything, he allegedly died of some, you know, some rare cancer. They killed him. They were going to let him bring that to market, but... I'm adding all of these details to you and why is it that they manipulate the youth. And as I said, they destroy families, they destroy the young people's minds, they destroy their creativity and their dreaming ability, they destroy their interest in making, you know, improving the world, improving themselves. They destroy their connection between God and a higher power. Catholicism, people is evil, 
because there is no person on this planet that can get between me and God. God and I have a relationship. If you want somebody to get between you and God, that is what a priest or a bishop or a cardinal in the the Catholic religion would do. If you look at other religions, they have the same type of hierarchy. That's religion. That's not a relationship with God. Christianity is a relationship with God. And you can only build that relationship through your saving grace that's granted to you by giving your life to Jesus Christ. So these are all things that they build up, all of these systems and all of these these deceptive lies that is the technique of the enemy. But they build all of this up in order to destroy the young people. And if you destroy the young people, then it's going to make it harder for them to recover as adults. And I'm not talking about destroying their their work ethic. They want you, the, the, the programmers want you to work your ass off. They want you to work until you're dead. They want you to work hard so you keep distracted and keep paying them money through taxes. And then that taxes is used against you. These are all things that you have to realize are actually occurring in the reality that we live. This is not fake. This is the truth that I'm speaking to you. All of that stuff that they tell you in magazines and they tell you on television and they show you on on soap operas and all that, that is the lies. That is the crap. That is the manipulative factors and the manipulative information that they give you in order to distract you from what you should be doing and they distract you into what they want you to do. They manipulate you so you will all be thinking a certain way instead of having independent free thought. Thank you for brothers and sisters for listening to this. I hope you are doing well. I pray, brothers and sisters, that you get closer to God and get the discernment that I have. I am not perfect, brothers and sisters, in any stretch of the imagination, but I have an understanding of what's going on better than most because of the discernment that God has given me. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this information with your network. Thank you for all the support that you've been giving me, and thank you for all of the people joining our email list. For those who do, I salute you.